Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our season review episode of the Gagan Pod. David Wiener with you to run the rule over all the twists and turns of the pulsating Premier League season. One we know now by Manchester City with Liverpool so agonisingly close. So much to get through and so much to talk about. And to do that, we've got three of our Gegenpod favourites with us to do so on this beautiful sunny day in Sydney out in the centre of Optus HQ at lunchtime. And Mel McLaughlin is one brave lady wearing a Manchester United jersey. How are you, Mel? Dave, till the bitter end, I'm going to wear it. I'm a little bit broken and also a little bit exhilarated from the Champions League, but broken from the obvious but I still turned up and that matters. You still turned up and even though you said on Twitter we're going to park that and never talk about Sunday's result ever again for yep. Manchester United we will over the next hour oh, I geez. can assure you. A very warm welcome back to Dave Squires great to see you mate how have you been where have you been? Oh, well uh, I've been in my office at home just sort of hunched over a, over my drawing board and I'm getting more vitamin D at the moment than I, than I have in about six months. <laughs> So uh, thanks for... Yeah, we lose you during the football season, but welcome back and great to have you on the show. And Paul Oakland, welcome back to you. And you've been travelling about abroad, um, taking kickoffs with your old clubs in, Bel- in Belgium. Yeah, it was great. Um, good to, uh, to be back uh, um, to my old club and uh, I go once a year. And at this time of, uh, of the year, it's actually an exciting time to have the playoffs and... Uh, um, hopefully in the next 10 days, Bruges will once again be champion. Fantastic. Now, it was good to see that video on, uh, on social media. Lovely to see guys like yourself, Johnny Aloisi, and a few of the other guys going back to their former clubs and getting terrific recognition. So, um, but now you're back here and we'll recognise you as we, as we can. <laughs> guys, let's rip straight into it. We're going to go straight from the top with what our, I mean, what a season. We all know about the, the incredible climax of the Premier League. We've still got one more twist or two to come with the Champions League and the Europa League and uh, still recovering from last week. But what, when we look back at this incredible season in a couple of years, what are we going to remember? What's been your highlight? Well, there's definitely, well, there's not just one highlight, is there? It's funny because how many teams will be remembered that came second? Abs- I, I just think, obviously, City will be remembered for the ridiculous feats that they achieved. Uh, but on top of that, Liverpool as well. And, and it's not often you can say both. And, and when you look at the numbers, you look at the points, 97 points, we know it's 98, 97. Uh, City just had to lift their game because of Liverpool. And for, for Liverpool with 97 points, that would have won the league, I think, almost every time in 26 mm. years. The whole open era, that's, you know, you've got to feel a little bit unlucky. But, yeah, we do, what's Even it's going to be remembered as the greatest, what's that? Even you feel sorry for them? I don't feel sorry. <laughs> oh, you, you know what? In fairness, something's happened to me. I don't know if I've softened a little bit because you, you just have to sit back and admire what we've witnessed because I'm not sure how often you're going to see anything like it. And... Yeah. and what a pleasure it's been uh, if you take out who you actually support if it's not either of those two. Yeah, as a neutral, ex- ex- extraordinary drama to watch. Yeah. Dave? Talking about yeah, teams who just missed out, I really enjoyed watching Ajax in the, in the Champions League and they really contributed to, to what's been a great season there. There have been so many matches where there's just been shocks and surprises. I'm sure you covered all this last week, but throughout the season, even... Even Manchester United were pulling off shocks earlier in the tournament, beating PSG away and 
Then he had Ajax against Real Madrid, Juventus, a game against Spurs last week, the, the Liverpool comeback against Barcelona. And I think my favourite game of the season was um, Manchester City versus Tottenham in the, in the quarterfinal, which like, it was a game where two days later I was still sort of finding my mind in moments of reverie going back and, and remembering it. It was really great. Can you imagine being a player? Well, you were finding your mind and those 22 sets of players had to get back and do the whole thing again twice uh, in, in that period. Absolutely remarkable. What about you, Paolo? Yeah, oh, look, I, I think no doubt it has to be the title race between Man City and Liverpool. Um, and when you think, I th- it was around December where City was seven points behind and, 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 uh, uh, and ended up beating uh, Liverpool and then went on, on a run. Uh, 54 points from 57 points uh, undefeated since December 30 and that was the only way they were going to um, win it back to back is is they just had to, to keep on winning um, and, and there were uh, some moments where you thought mm, this might be the game where uh, maybe not where they lose but where they draw and they, they couldn't afford to, to drop any points because uh, Liverpool kept uh, kept also winning so I think uh, we haven't uh, seen this in a long time where two teams um, just constantly every weekend pushed each other um, and in the end you have to give credit to uh, to Pep Guardiola and Man City they, they deservedly uh, were crowned champions Paolo as the only re- respectable respected former player Hang on. At, this de- <laughs> at this desk and obviously coach as well Just can you just tell us what kind of Give us some insight into the mentality required when there was a, you know, I guess a turning point where it looked like Liverpool were going to go on with it, you know, at the end of January. The mentality required for Man City to go, all right, we're just going to win every single game from now until May 14th. Just how is that possible? Yeah, you can't underestimate that. Uh, it's, it's such a demanding competition physically. Uh, but above all, also mentally, because Man City were also... Uh, still involved in, in, the, in the Champions League. And, and when they got knocked out, I thought this might be the killer blow to them. That, uh, you know, that shock to the system where we're, we're no longer... Uh, um, we can't win this Champions League, yet we've still got um, uh, the EPL to, to go for. But sometimes that can, uh, that can affect you. That can affect uh, uh, the mind. But uh, it seems as if... They, they use that as uh, as motivation and um, you know you can see that in, in, in their performances and um, well, you know again there were those moments but when you look at it you just you could see that there was this you know this uh, invincible mindset that uh, there was only going to be one result for them and that was the you know they were going to be champions huge characters to think that you know staring at that nil all with against Leicester where really that was that was the twist we were, the whole new world of neutral football fans were waiting for and Vincent Company comes up and and does that and that just shows the the, the what characters they have in that dressing room and this is a side that Guardiola has been rightfully praised for the amazing way he's evolved them okay with a lot of money but we know the beautiful football they've been playing and they did this with an injury toll at times that would have decimated lesser lesser characters and that's what's the most amazing thing for me is that when for all the beautiful football the last six weeks a lot of one nils a lot of times where they had to really scratch it out and Liverpool pushed them all the way and that's exactly what Pep Guardiola said they probably wouldn't have had that wherewithal to keep going if Liverpool weren't going at that same ridiculous level we'll talk a little bit about 
Klopp Guardiola a little bit later on, but that was my highlight of the season was the battle between those two and the work that Mauricio Pochettino was doing just behind them. It's just so amazing and wonderful to see in a year where Mourinho was blaming everyone left, right and centre and combusting and cursing and doing all sorts of stuff. He had genuine, it looked like from the outside in coaching and guys with a plan and actually executing it. Was, it was terrific to see. Um, don't want to go on the other side of the fence for a minute, but we just want to touch, touch on anything that disappointed us this season, a quick low light or, or something that um, we'll regret from the season. My obvious ones, and I'll probably touch on it a little bit, seeing as you've insisted, in, in, in two words, Manchester United, disappointment. But also I was thinking outside my little bubble and uh, Huddersfield going down in the context of Australia and the Socceroos and Aaron Moy and his injury, which costs him in, in, or and us in terms of the Asian Cup. That's, I know it's a bit sort of left field, but that, no. that was a definite low light. And sad to see them go down with him going down, but obviously we don't know where he's going to end up yeah. just yet. Yeah, because 100%, because it means that we're now down to Matty Ryan as the lone Premier League, and it's a great achievement by them to stay up. They've, of course, sacked Chris Hutton since, but, you know... We, we, they we, just scraped in, didn't they? Yeah, they yeah. were going down a slippery, slippery slope. So, yeah, it's sad to see Aaron go out, particularly if he doesn't remain in the Premier League, which we all hope he does. For me, uh, something slightly different, I guess, was return of racism to the, the terraces and some of the abuse that's been going on on the field as well. I know it's been, been covered in this podcast before. It's something that's come up with depressing regularity throughout the season. And I think the words and actions of someone like Raheem Sterling, who's, who's, who's done so much to stand up to it, probably contributed to, to why he's my player of the season I mean I'm sure that means a lot to him <laughs> um, so that was that was really depressing um, and the other thing was the, the death of Emiliano Sala um, and the circumstances surrounding that which is, is still shrouded in, in mystery but yeah. it um, it really reveals that being a, a footballer even at the top level is a profession which um, you, know, you can be treated like cattle you know you're, you're shipped around from from place to place and um like i say who did the circumstances around his death are, are still being investigated so i could say a lot more about that but um you know let's keep it upbeat the sun is shining absolutely and look let's turn a negative into a positive there is the fact that probably raheem sterling's uh, personality the way he used that moment to empower um on, on social media that that campaign to make sure that because that's almost a highlight of the season as well. Yeah, and I like that with um, just with what you're saying, well, both Dave's um, with the internationals. We saw obviously racism to, towards some English players overseas, but you know you've got Gareth Southgate saying, "Hang on, we're not going to you know stand on our high horse and say you know you can't do this or that's terrible because we have it here mm. too." So it, it is certainly a massive turning point. It's not going to be accepted in any form. Yeah, it was a powerful moment. It was a really, and hopefully, and I know you can't change society in one one brushstroke but hopefully it is a changing for the way the football can actually deal with it and actually the players can use social media to galvanise and campaign and, and get momentum going in the right direction What about you Paolo? Yeah look I uh, um, I concur with, with both what Mel and, uh, and David have said, my probably low light of the season was the Kepper incident um, and you know being an ex-player and obviously moving into coaching um, yeah, the ex-player, I can understand that Kepper didn't want to come off. Um, certainly at that time of the game where, uh, in the end, he was involved in a, in a penalty shootout. But uh, for Saturday, that was... Um, yeah, it left a, ba- a bad taste in my mouth because uh, he generally thought he was injured, um, concerned, uh, wanted to make the substitution, and, and the goalkeeper just 
blatantly ignored in a in a disrespectful way uh, to the manager. So, um, yeah, again, left me with a bad taste in my mouth that weekend. One thing I, I would say about the incident is that, like, we all watch a lot of football, and you think you've sort of you've seen everything, and you become a bit jaded when that was unfolding in front of your eyes. It's just that this is amazing. I've never seen a player refuse to come off in those circumstances in that way. Um, and there are other examples, like someone like Les Seeley played for United in the, in the 90s. He refused to come off in a, in a League Cup final before, but it was, the circumstances were different. And I've never seen a manager so close to just walking out of the stadium and never coming back. Oh, and I think he just had that he moment where he, where he thought, OK, well, uh, if I walk out now, then that's my end of my job. Yeah. And I've left my oyster card in my, in my jacket that I ripped off, so I need to go back kind of thing. So it was classic train wreck. You just could not take your eye off it and excruciating as a Chelsea supporter in a key moment because I think Kepa's mind wasn't on the job in the penalty shootout because he, he copped a couple of soft goals and we know now from the Europa League that he is capable in those penalty shootout situations and you're so right Dave I remember watching as Sari goes down the tunnel you could tell he got to the door and he was like hang on if I open this door I am never coming back out of it and then trudges back embarrassingly I, Paolo <laughs> I heard Mauricio Sarri didn't address the team on the park before the penalties on the weekend because he's so superstitious that he, he, he's never walked onto the pitch while coaching. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing. Um, uh, but when you have those superstitions... Uh, they take you, you, you over. Yeah, you'd be a foolish man to go against them. All right, guys. Well, it was a season where there were 1,072 goals scored, and that's the highest total in a 38-game Premier League season. So we were sport for choice. And we really were on Optusport this year. Just thinking about the last week on its own from Vincent Company on the Tuesday morning here through to the three mornings of European action, through to the Sunday night final day where we did get our, our little twist in our 20 minutes of Liverpool having the title in their grasp. But when we look back at this season, what was the defining moment for you? Well, there are, well, there are a few. I know a lot of people will talk about that seven-point turnaround, that, that moment where Liverpool could have gone on with it. Um, I was going to say Leeds. Jeez, why is Leeds in my mind? Um, and, and City could have, you know, it could have gone out to 11. Can I count? 10 points. Let's go with 10. But I think you already mentioned Vincent Company. I think it can be as simple as that, that because there was still so much tension in the air. Uh, two games to go. That goal, the manner in which he scored that goal. I know that there are so many... I don't know, defining moments, but I just think that one, even I was feeling nervous. I don't know why I was feeling nervous. I don't support City, but uh, it was just the high drama. (laughs) See, we're already... On the same page, Paolo. It it can come down to that kind of moment, that kind of tension, and that kind of goal. You're right, those those small moments that that define a season. I think that um, looking back to when Liverpool and Man City played in January... Uh, and that clearance from John Stones, an impossible clearance, a bizarre incident, and just 11 millimetres from, from going over the scratches line. Scratches my notes, 11 millimetres <laughs> January <laughs> through John doing Stones. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100%. It was crazy. And then when you think about the Burnley game as well, where it was the similar, uh, where the City got the result, I think it was the Aguero's goal, you can almost say the season came down to something like 25 millimetres or something absolutely absurd like that. Company goal of the season for you guys? Oh, look, I, I probably think there were other better goals, but at you know, with what was riding on it, um, the fact that he's a defender, um, and by all reports, everyone was actually, uh, before he hit the ball, was shouting out to him, not, yeah. Vincent, what are you doing? Don't shoot. And 
in the end, uh, it was the difference to, uh, to to get his team the three points. Oh, for me, I, I, the Andros Townsend guy, ones that I remember watching and picking my jaw off the ground, and that we see so many goals, you actually have to go back to sometimes remind. That one I've never forgotten. I saw that said, goal of the season. I don't know how you beat that one. That was at City too, so that could have been such an influential result depending on how things went. There was one early in the season which I really enjoyed, which was uh, Daniel Sturridge came on and scored a late equaliser for Liverpool at Chelsea. Part of the reason when I enjoyed that was I was doing what many people do when they watch a football match is sitting on Twitter or Facebook and sort of scrolling <laughs> through. And I was feeling quite sad about the state of the world. And then Sturridge slammed in this goal. And he'd kind of forgotten that Daniel Sturridge even existed. And uh, that, was, that was quite special. It cheered me up on a Sunday morning. Very nice. And he, he's a strange one because he was, he was not seen very much during the season. But then when Liverpool still needed an answer at the back end, they had him and Divock Origi. To, to do the business, which how Jurgen Klopp kept them, you know, on site. Amazing achievement. Rightio, then give us an answer. The biggest controversy of the season was. I'm just going to have to revert to type then and talk about United not bringing Solskjaer in, but signing him when they did, as in you know into a long term contract. I know I've said it too many times, but and I'd, I'd love to be proven wrong, but I just, I'm not saying he's the wrong man. I'm saying it was too early to to say. Um, there was no proof. Yes, it was that euphoric. Really, the the reaction was more. I didn't want to play for Jose. Now let's play yeah. a bit. And now, what tactics have you got? What you know? What can you do when when your backs are against the wall? And uh, I wasn't convinced. You haven't actually. I don't think we've had you on the show to time. Oh, you've just heard about me, it. Dave. That's but all. we've seen you on Instagram. We've heard you when. The momentum was snowballing towards he's got to get it and Gary Neville's offering contracts on TV to him and saying, name your price. What was your biggest doubt still? Even though because the United way and all this great rhetoric, it, it hadn't convinced you then. What did you see through? It's just that we love, I'm clearly no expert. I'm just here in, a, I guess, a fan capacity. It's just there was nothing proven yet in terms of his... For a club like that, for where he'd been and what he'd done to this point, I, you know, I, I just, we hadn't... We hadn't lost yet. We hadn't been really, truly tested yet. And I, you need to see what they're capable of. And I've never seen... I could be proven wrong easily. I've never seen uh, on the sideline a, a manager constantly speaking to his support stuff the entire time. Like, he, he, different. he's either sitting down, standing up, all different. And that's fine. Consult your coaching your coaching staff but uh, you know I, I want to look at him and be convinced that something's ticking over and uh, there's a there's a game plan and you can galvanise him but it just petered off well the, the weekend was the first time he got something out of Cardiff because he was a previous boss there so finally got the best out of them <laughs> on the weekend <laughs> but <laughs> how long you held that for <laughs> but uh, he doesn't park in Ferguson's spot I've heard yeah well okay so two questions to you without notice then is this constant reverence to the past is that actually now getting in his way yes and Will he be the boss first game next season? You can't... mm, I'd say he will be. He will be the boss next season. I don't know for how long. I'm not saying write him off. I'm not sure... Well, I don't think it was the right one. I'm happy to be proven wrong. I'd love to. Who am I, really? You're, You're one of many million Man United supporters who right now are going... Well, did we did we go off too early? Well, as a collective coaching staff, they brought in the young and the and the old. There's you know, um, there's the 32 year old. I can't think of his name now. That's come through. He was at Spurs when he was younger, injured at 23 years of age, and, and he was there with uh, I think Jose, and then he's, he's been retained. But then Michael Mike Carrick, no, uh, no, Michael Carrick's there. I'll, it'll come to me. But uh, you know, Mike Phelan as well. He's been his contract's been extended as well. So maybe it's a collective unit. Great. 
just uh, as long as that converts and translates at some point. Well, I look forward to your grade later in the se- later <laughs> in the episode, Mel. The unsung hero of the season was uh, a couple of them, both ball boys. Um, the first got a bit actually he got a bit of a claim last week when he threw the ball back really quickly for Trent Alexander Arnold to take that corner, uh, which was brilliant. And the other one was the Everton ball boy who sarcastically applauded applauded Jurgen Klopp and probably did more to unsettle Klopp than Guardiola did all season because Klopp was broken by that incident. Like the kid just kept on clapping and, and Klopp went back and had a word with him and like there's there's no point getting involved in a, in a public argument with a child. You will lose every time. <laughs> yeah. You can't win the PR war, that is for sure. Um, I read a, you probably read the same article in The Telegraph talking about the way Liverpool actually briefed the ball boys before the Barcelona game. They'd actually done tactical evidence, scouting that Barcelona players clock off at set pieces and when it goes out for a corner or a deflected corner or whatever, the players always gesture to the referee, no, no, it's ours, and so on. And they actually instructed the ball boys to go quickly because Barcelona will not be concentrating each of those sort of 50-50 set pieces. Yeah, it's a great observation and it's uh, part of uh, the detailed analysis that, uh, um, you know, that you make uh, when you're looking at the opposition. Um, and certainly when it, when it comes to set pieces, because we've seen uh, of late in modern football that uh, set pieces have, bec- have become uh, so important. So uh, still I don't think that's an excuse Barcelona should have um, being able to uh, to defend against that, but uh, you know, full marks first of all to the ball boy, and secondly to uh, to Liverpool to take advantage. My unsung here for the season is Southampton's boss Ralph Hausenhutel, who actually turned them around from being absolute uh, dr- drudgery earlier in the season under Mark Hughes, and and lifted up them up off the scrap heap, and they ended up playing some really exciting football at the end of the season, and caused quite a few problems for quite a few teams. So, um, the Alpine Cloppers, they call him, was one of the unsung heroes of the season for me. The biggest flop this season was? Man United. Sorry, Mel. Uh, I'm the other side of the table, so... (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Yeah, Man United. Um, Extremely disappointing. Um, Yeah, for a club that uh, uh, has a rich tradition of uh, competing for for titles, um, you know, to to sort of have the season that they had um, and then... Yeah, you know, Ollie's come in and, 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 and done an okay job, but then uh, let's not forget they lost the last five games of the season um, and, of course, ended up losing at home to Cardiff uh, 2-0, which, in my eyes, is uh, um, growing up as a, a Man United fan is yeah, unacceptable. Growing up as a Man United fan, that's a revelation last episode in the Gag and Pod series. Yeah. Brian, Brian Robson was my hero. Aww. There we go. Captain Marvel. <laughs> With... Um, with United, it's interesting what's happened with Alexis Sanchez over the last 18 months. It almost seems like he's sort of forgotten how to play football. I sometimes have this daydream where my brain is transported into the mind and the, the, the body of a, of a Premier League football. And, and I think someone has managed to do that. Another fat <laughs> middle-aged you know, bloke is controlling Alexis Sanchez. But he was close to signing for Manchester City in the what, January transfer window last year. So again, I mean, the the things that have defined this season or have been crucial in in making City winners. Um, if Ed Woodward hadn't swept in as he's prone to do, and um, you know signed Alexis Sanchez, then then maybe Liverpool would have won the league. Imagine if uh, Manchester City had actually successfully signed Alexis Sanchez, Fred, and Jorginho, who they had all targeted. So sliding doors there in the transfer window. I don't understand what the hell has happened to Alexis Sanchez, and it's actually. 
if he wasn't on so much money, it would be funny. But when you see him earning that much money, you're actually uh, a, a bit disgusted about it. On, on the flop side of it, for me, it was actually, again, overs was Jean-Michel Seri, who was signed for Fulham on £30 million in that huge, lavish spending spree last summer. I was even swept up with the wall. They spent £100 million. They must have got some quality here, even though they didn't fix the defensive problems. But that summed up sort of the, the downward spiral for them, a slapstick stummer and two coaches gone as a result. And they were pretty meek this season. So Fulham might be the only club he recruited worse than Ed Woodward. Maybe, maybe they've, they're following the Woodward playbook, but it's, uh, it's been a disaster for them. Yeah, got to fix what your problems are, not just so, uh, spend for the vanity purposes of it. The most underrated player in the Premier League is? Uh, I had a look, I had a think, so... Uh, That's good. I'm happy, I had a think, I'm thinking, <laughs> racking my brain on this one. Uh, looked at Gilfie Sigurdsson. Okay. Plenty of goals, and he doesn't get a huge rap, plenty of goals from midfield and some important goals as well. He's always entertaining to watch when on song and when a manager can actually get the, get the most out of him. The two usual answers for the, to this question are James Milner and um, Son Heung-min. Um, and Song obviously had a, a, a great season at the tail end and Milner was good at the start. For me, it's uh, Musa Sissoko at Spurs, who was a player who was derided when, when they signed him but he's been brilliant for them this season and was crucial in, in getting Tottenham to, to where they have got to in the Champions League Yeah I'm going to go for uh, something a bit different here um, I'm glad I came Watford's to Troy Deeney oh. um, The man with the cojones Yeah he's, uh, he's certainly a colourful character he's had a, a bit of a, um, an unfortunate upbringing um, yeah, which has led him to get into uh, into trouble at various times in his career. But what an important player you know he has been uh, for Watford over a number of years. 341 appearances, 114 goals. He scored nine this year. Um, they finished 11th. Um, they're in the FFA Cup final. He scored the equaliser uh, against Wolves to take it uh, into extra time. And uh, he's uh, you know he's an attacker who. Uh, just never gives up um, you know he's always always fighting for his team and uh, um, I've gone for him because I think he's just the effect that he has on his football club uh, is the reason why uh, again they're in the FFA Cup and uh, the FA Cup I love how that's seated into your mind in Helen. the FA Cup final and the fact that they finished uh, just outside the top 10 in the EPL yeah they could and upset on the cards you never you never know there for me um, the 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 Bournemouth trio, David Brooks, Ryan Fraser, Callum Wilson, they contributed 56 goals between them, goals and assists. And in terms of underrated signings, Brooks from Sheffield United, a bargain buy. And um, we'll see what Bournemouth do, whether they cash in on, on those guys or whether they keep just keeping, keeping themselves up over the next few seasons like they have done in recent years. The rivalry between Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp will become... It'll go to another level, I think. Um, we saw it uh, a few years back in the Bundesliga when um, Jürgen was coaching Dortmund and, and Pep at Bayern. Um, and I think it's fantastic. It's two of the best coaches going around. Um, they seem to get the best out of their team, uh, their players. Uh, but they are very different uh, um, characters and, and certainly have, um, in many ways, uh, same philosophy, but it differs in the way... Um, their teams play so long may it live for, for that rivalry to really blossom I, I could do with a bit more needle in it you know um, some, for some real beef like the Mourinho and um, Guardiola years and, at um, Barcelona and Real Madrid like I want someone to get poked in the eye um, 
I, I just need it to kick off a little bit more. You know, there's too much respect. We don't want respect in football, for God's sake. Yeah, I know. It, it is a mutual love society. Uh, yeah, there is, everyone's Mr. Nice Guy, aren't they? And yeah, I, I, I know exactly what you're saying, Dave. And you think back to, I think their rivalry, you know, if it's not already, it's, it will become legendary if they both, you know, stay at, a, at these respective clubs. But it's the same way we saw Arsenal and Man United really set the tone back in the day in the 90s with that ferocious fer- rivalry that we saw and, and Wenger and Ferguson they had respect but you knew there was something in it so I, I know exactly what you mean stop being nice stop with all the praise it is it's don't get me wrong it's great to to see and hear the healthy respect but enough I think that's one of the things it's actually um not, not lacking in the game these days but um something that is perhaps football's moved on from so you see teams in the tunnels before matches now and it's a big game between two fierce rivals and like they know each other Mm. outside of football and it isn't like you know 15 20 years ago where you had Vieira and Keane going at it in the tunnel I think that um, maybe uh, younger people aren't like that anymore Um, and it's probably for the for the for the better like you've got a, a, a nicer workplace experience but um, so on one hand, I want everyone to be happy, but on my other hand, I, I could do with some of that those sort of tunnel arguments and yeah. yeah. So which is <laughs> it? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you. I know exactly what you're saying. I don't know if those will be providing it the next few years. Um, Dave, the <laughs> hottest property outside the top six is uh, I would say James Madison at the moment. People are very excited by him, and he seems to have. Um, you know, uh, Paolo's raising his eyebrows. It's no, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you're like, what the hell is this cartoonist idiot talking about? <laughs> um, so yeah, I've been excited by him. He's um, yeah, he, he can take free kicks, and you know, he's got a smart haircut. I always like to see that in a young man. You had someone else, Paolo. Who did you have? No, I was like, I don't have one. That was my. <laughs> <laughs> but I think his pick was superb. <laughs> There's a player at Leicester called James Madison who could, um, yeah. Throw, throw him in as your nominee. I'm a big fan of the, the, the Wolves centre, mid, centre midfield pair, Ruben Neves, Jamatinho, and I think if anyone's going to be on the radar of the top six clubs, it probably is someone like Neves, and it's, just a, it's a surprise. Wolves have been able to hang on to him for so long, so I reckon watch this space um, with him at the moment. So on that note then, who is the most likely to not just break the top six mould, Paolo, but even just break up that top two? Uh, that we predict we might see again go ahead head to head next year. Look, to be honest, I can't see anyone other than Spurs if they go out and uh, and spend a bit of money, which um, I'm led to believe is probably still. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Uh, not, going, not going to happen, even though the, the new stadium... Um uh, has been completed and, and if you're Daniel Levy would you be forced to given the fact that they haven't spent any money and they, fin- they finished fourth ch- you know, once again qualified for Champions League and they're still in the Champions League final so is it a question of, uh, of going out there and spending uh, crazy amounts of money or is it 
you've got a top manager and uh, your tactics uh, become more important. Top two? Yeah. I agree. Sorry, boring answer. Spurs. And I think we need to sort of really... Well, I think it's interesting, like you say, Pochettino, we can't stress enough how much this man did not have money to spend and has achieved what he has. And also, um, I'm going to tangent as I do, Champions League, for example, Barcelona, they made 11 changes to their starting 11 between domestic and Champions League and blew it. Ajax, they were given the week off. They ultimately blew it. Uh, Spurs, they haven't been able to spend. There haven't been many plays to choose from. Um, So... I don't know. I just think there's something in that that, that maybe galvanises a team. You have to, like Liverpool having to pull themselves together in such a busy time with all the stress on them as well. I think it's also fascinating because I think Pochettino is basically saying to Levy through the media that if you don't actually give me money, I, I can't actually do this again. This, mm. you, you don't realise what a miracle this has been. Yeah. yeah, And so it's almost like if you're not going to give me that money, well, this is going to be the... the as good as it gets, and uh, United, uh, hello, I'm still here if, yeah. if, if, my, if we don't get that money. So um, watch this space, that extraordinary achievement. I've spoken about Pochettino before. I mean, I'm in awe of what he's achieved. He was saying last week that he might walk away if they, if they do win the, the Premier League. So I wonder for Spurs fans whether they would take winning the... Um, sorry, if they won the yeah. Champions League. So I wonder if Spurs fans would take winning the Champions League but losing Pochettino. Because without him, you can't see that another manager would be able to operate and get those that squad of players to achieve what they've done this season. That's, that's a really damn. That's well. a damn good question. I <laughs> actually can't think of what I would actually prefer. I think, I think if you see Pochettino go, you see Harry Kane go, you see Son get picked up, you see Hugo Lloris go. Uh, surely there's a domino effect of that. That's an impossible question to ask a Spurs fan. Like, do we know any? Oh, half my relatives, my mother Excellent. as well, yeah. But, yeah, you take the silverware or not? Yeah. It's hard to say I mean, no the, to. The chances that Spurs get into another Champions League exactly. final are pretty slim. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, you keep Pochettino and you, you might get to second or third in the Premier League. Um, I mean, Manchester City seems so far ahead of everyone at the moment. Mm. And But, you know, things change. And um, Guardiola's not going to be there forever. Um, so someone's got to step up. Hello, moving to the next topic. The best five players in the Premier League right now are? Yeah, I've gone um, for a sort of bit of mix in the positions. Obviously, uh, Van Dijk, he's uh, probably, I think, one of the best defenders uh, in the world. And and we've seen uh, how well defensively uh, Liverpool were this season. I think they only conceded 22 goals and a a lot has to do with uh, his performances. Uh, Midfielder Kevin De Bruyne, I know he was uh, injured for last parts of the season, but you you saw when he was fit the effect that he had on on Man City and he's just able to, uh, he has that ability to just find that pass, find that opening and uh, and decide matches. And up top I've gone for Mane, uh, Sergio Aguero and I've actually picked... Raheem Sterling over Eden Hazard, I think, uh, and I'm sure hopefully Dave alongside me agrees. The season that Raheem Sterling's had, not only for for uh, uh, Man City, but also at an international level, thought he had a, a very good World Cup and he's, uh, he's followed that on and, and he's continuing now to, to, to score goals uh, for England. He really was a pariah in England after, even after getting to the semi-final of the World Cup. Right. It, it, sections of the English media and the fan base there's always someone who they like to blame for, for failure mm. even though England vastly exceeded any expectations about what they would do so he started the season with people on his back and there's you know, people like Piers Morgan for God's sake like um, oh god 
I need a glass of water. <laughs> he, said his word. he said his name. Um, so yeah, to come back from that and uh, have wide respect, uh, I think by by the middle of the season for what he's done on the pitch and on the pitch, he's absolutely brilliant. I love him. Uh, well, have to look at Liverpool. Have to look at their defence because of how sound they've been. So Van Dyke. I think he's a walk-in for, for anyone, a walk-up start. Andy Robertson as well, because when Shout. you look at their, their full-backs and, and their contributions, not only has their defensive record been relatively sound, but also going forward, their contributions to goals and, and setting goals up and just being an absolute force, really. Hazard and Sterling, just because I can. Um, and other than that, scribbled a lot of names. Um, but we are sport for choice. Yeah. Yeah, I've got five. Uh, Van Dyke. Sterling, Bernardo Silva, yep. Mohamed Salah, and uh, Phil Jones. Oh, good on oh. you, because someone has to keep, uh, <laughs> keep cartoonists happy. Well, exactly. His, his dedication to weird facial expressions and just and things <laughs> like it's a quiet week, there's not much going on. He'll slam his face into the ground at the exact moment where a photographer captures it, and then that's, that's me. I'm sorted <laughs> for a panel for the week. So, nice one. Yeah, we've all got our own reasons. Um, and... and Paolo Hazard probably sneaks in for me only because I think of all the players we've listed if or when he does leave Chelsea that will leave the biggest void of probably any exit that will happen this summer where you look and go how on earth are they going to replace him and continue to find goals and assists and moments of magic that he's providing let's just hope Kristen Pulisic is the greatest thing that's ever been signed since sliced bread because uh, Chelsea might well need it Um, speaking of players coming in Pulisic is in but the one player that you think will be in the Premier League next season or needs to be in the Premier League next season is? Not strictly a player, but Marcelo Bielsa. I'd love to see him up there. Um, maybe he's a player, as in a player. Um, I'd just be fascinated to see what he could do at the Premier League level, whether it's with Leeds or not. Um, maybe preferably not with Leeds. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah, I hope he's up there. Wouldn't it be amazing if you did have Bielsa versus Guardiola, even if you threw in that mix of those continental influences that have come in and you throw Bielsa in as well? We'd be sport for to- choice watching that uh, week in, week out in the competition. Um, someone like Guardiola basically quotes him as gospel, so it'd be absolutely amazing to see. Manchester City, obviously, were the benchmark. We'll start at the top. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, Z, Mel. <laughs> we'll give you the hardest. Yeah, yeah it's, fun it's a rough Manchester one. City. <laughs> Well, obviously, they have to be a, a how, whatever whatever you can do, whatever the highest thing, for many, many reasons. But you know on that final day when they were playing, obviously, at Brighton, before kickoff, my partner was there with his kids, and they've got selfies with Pep Guardiola. Just He just was with the fans taking selfies with hundreds of city travelling fans, with the kids. And that's... How many managers are going to do that with so much riding on that final day? He was just there smiling. I think that sums it up. His characters sort of filtered through the whole club too. We've said so much about yeah. the man this, and the club. This is just a side note. Well, I just thought this is before kickoff. Yeah. You Did know? they get close to his uh, woolly jacket thing that he wears? Because he's been wearing that for a while, and it uh, looks he, he like he can't have washed it. Wash. Can he? he can't. Hey, he can't hey, have. hey Mal, I'd be taking selfies too if I was manager <laughs> of Man City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. Fair call. <laughs> I loved it how quickly the jumper got ripped off when Glenn Murray's goal went in. It was just so anti his pants. Quickly, yeah, it, it was yeah. amazing. I yeah. thought he's looked pretty stressed actually in this run, and he's he's not looked as relaxed as as Klopp. Like there was a few times at Liverpool letting goals, and Klopp's got this sort of rictus grin, um, which you can't tell whether it's genuine or not. But yeah, until a kid claps ironically, at yeah, him and then it comes right, that out. broke yeah. him. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, Guardiola's looked. 
I thought was pretty stress, and I thought that some of that stress was transferring yeah. to the players yeah. and, until company stepped up and slammed one in from 30 yards. And even in the last game, he even tinkered with his formation, and I heard a great line that said, was he overthinking it again? Well, he was, but it was Brighton, so it wouldn't have made a difference. But the even you just know he's got that stereotype of maybe trying to do too much, and in the end it didn't cost them, but you did sense that did start to creep in. Paolo, how does this team improve? Can it get any better? Yeah, it's hard because the the bar they've that they've set over the past two years is is yeah is incredible. Um, you'd, you'd like to think that Liverpool will be uh, challenging again uh, next season, and uh, yeah, we've we've seen Pep Pep Guardiola um, what he does uh, with his with his team with with tactics and the way they play. Um, there's no one more capable. Um, than to bring, uh, to freshen it up uh, than Guardiola. So I'm sure that uh, we'll see some, some new players come in. I think uh, that's one way of, of, uh, of challenging, uh, of uh, continuing to motivate the group is to, to bring people from outside to say, hey, guys, uh, we all need to, uh, to continue to step it up. Um, but, yeah, just an amazing manager. Maybe um, UEFA's investigation into their financial fair play if there's any punishment there and that could result in a in a transfer ban that could I mean that that would change everything yeah yeah and that's what a lot of people want to actually see is what what does he do when he doesn't be, isn't able to bring in reinforcements but otherwise 198 points in two seasons 201 goals it's a unanimous a plus I think from us across the board but as Mill said who do you remember that comes second well I think this year we may remember who comes second yeah. how do we grade Liverpool uh, before the Champions League final so we still don't know if they're going to be tro- get a trophy or not but what's their mark this season coming so close yet so far? You've still got to give them a, a solid A, don't you really? They, they couldn't have done much more. You look at that period just after Christmas where they, they did have that advantage and they drew. They dropped a few points around that time, um, which in any other season would still be enough to see them comfortably win the league. So they and, couldn't have done much more. And that's where the A-plus, I suppose, does drop down to the A, isn't it? Because they had it in their own grasp. Even though you say they couldn't have done any more, the truth was they did have it in their hands at the turn of the year. Yeah, for me, the difference is 11 millimetres because if that ball goes in, uh, there's the point. Uh, and uh, Liverpool are champions, so... The margin is so fine, probably the finest that you'll ever see um, or will ever see. Uh, so for me, I think that uh, Liverpool deserve whatever uh, um, whatever we give Man City. Uh, interesting. Mel, the same mark as Man City? or, or, you, or, or It's got to be 97 points. Are we joking? Yeah. And in yeah. the final of the Champions League. Yeah. The amazing thing about Klopp, when we talked about that rivalry earlier that I just love, is the fact that what he's done since he's come into Liverpool and, and brick by brick he's actually built them and, and stuck to his guns, recruited accordingly. Yes, he's had money. Yes, the club's trusted him. But it's amazing how last year everyone was saying, you need a keeper, you need this. No, I back Millionaire, I back Carrius. In the background, we, we didn't know it at the time. In the background, he's working on getting Allison. Everyone said, you need a keeper. He's got Allison. Okay, are they too conservative in midfield? He's waiting. He's waiting for Keita. He's waiting for Fabinho to be comfortable. Then he changes it up at the right point of the season. The way he's been able to manage and evolve that squad, I've just been in awe of the way that uh, he has stuck to his guns and he's worked the media, he's worked all the right channels to get them to where they are. And, and as opposed to, say, Mourinho, who sort of was that slapstick signing, signing all the, all the big names, Klopp had a plan, he stuck to it, and it succeeded. And who knows what will happen next. Chelsea 
I can't get my head around this one, and I'm a supporter of the club. League Cup final, Europa League final, top four next season. Sarri, 12 games unbeaten at the start of the season, and the crowd boos him as he makes substitutions during a Europa League game. <laughs> Great. For Chelsea. We'll see, Dave, you remember podcast in the past, you wanted to talk about all the drama and unrest at Chelsea, and what do you know, they've achieved their top four aspirations, as they said. You, well, it's hard to mark them. You can't mark them low, can you? They can get a B. Just give them a B. I don't know. Do they get that? Do they get that high? I'm going to give him a B plus. How there can we go. Because you're a fan. manager you're comes a in. You're manager a comes in four weeks before the start of the season. A totally different playing style to what they were used to. Back five, very defensive. Uh, play on the counter to a new uh, philosophy of we're going to play in the half of the opposition. Very similar to to Pep Guardiola. Uh, brings only one player, Jorginho. Um, and as you said, I'm not going to rattle it off again. They're in the UEFA, uh, sorry, in the Europa League uh, final in a few weeks. B plus. Can't but be anything less. It's, it's amazing, Dave, that how much talk there is that he's still just holding the foot for Frank Lampard. And he's, he's done everything he can still this season to change the style with a really stubborn playing group. He's cleared the big guys in the dressing room out. No Fabregas, no Morata, no Cahill. And there's still so much scepticism. I think he's... Uh, inflexibility probably counts against him so he's very um, stuck on the, the formation and a certain way of playing and as Paolo says he only had a few weeks to implement that and they start the season fantastically well I mean they were undefeated for a long time um, and it, I mean to talk about replacing him with Lampard is just crazy like one season in the championship where they've only got into the playoffs and against Sarri who has you know what he's achieved at in Italy before he's even, even come here. It's just insane. B, B across the board, averaging it out. You? Dave? B, I'll go B, I'll go B. Also, I, just for me, it's just the uncertainty of going into next season with the transfer ban, with potential of Hazard leaving. Um, that's, I guess, maybe I'm tainting it that You're way. You're overthinking it, Dave. I'm overthinking it. You might have to pick one of those 600 youth players he's got in a holding exactly. pad. Exactly. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and that could be a positive because he could come in and be able to uh, mould them in the way that he wants them to be and it might end up being a positive. Many you, you of never his know. players on loan are doing really well as well. Yeah, you never know. So it could, it could work out. It could work out. Tottenham. Tottenham, Dave. Uh, I mean, in the league, they've just scraped fourth, really. They're, they're form in the last two months has been, been dismal and really they've, they've saved their best two performances for, for those games in the Champions League Wait, like three if you count the Dortmund game as well I'd still give them a B because they're, they're a club that's in the Champions League final it's um, not an easy thing to achieve Context is everything. I'm almost giving them above Chelsea because of all the distractions, the stadium ban, the injuries to Harry Kane, Son being away with South Korea, the lack of signings, the first club ever not to spend anyone, uh, and an assessment of Pochettino from you, Paul? Yeah, look, I think they probably would have finished above Chelsea if it wasn't for the last uh, five results of the season, but they did have their distractions, uh, you know, trying to to get into the uh, Champions League final, but... Uh, look, I think we've spoken about it on the couch all year. It's phenomenal the job Pochettino's done, um, given that he's had no money, no money to spend uh, compared to uh, Mourinho and a number of other clubs. Even the, the, the smaller clubs in, 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 the, in the EPL had, had more money to spend than Pochettino. And phenomenal. They're, they're in the, the final of one of the biggest games, um, you know. It's Spurs, for God's it, sake. In the world. And uh, it's it's history there waiting to be uh, to be written. 
It's poetic, isn't it? Wasn't his last signing um, Mora? Yeah, it would have been. Got the yeah. hat trick. Yeah. Um, I agree. They Obviously, they had a late wobble, but it's almost like they could afford it, and that's despite all the st- stuff, like you said, swirling around them and did all the damage over City as well in the Champions League. So got to go at a minimum B plus for them for many reasons. I think it's a B plus. I, I would have actually given them an A minus. So we'll, we'll go. We'll go That's in fine. between. A, a- B, B, good. B plus and a half maybe. I don't. I don't know. The first four consecutive years of top four finishes from Pochettino. Spurs fans couldn't have asked for a better journey. I don't know about Arsenal's journey though. Um, what about them, Paolo? Yeah, look, I think uh, Emery's done a, a fantastic job again. Another English team that's uh, in a, in a final. Um, we all know. Uh, his love affair with uh, the Europa League. He's, he's won it a few times. Um, I think Arsenal probably would have would have also finished uh, above, uh, um, you know, Tottenham and Chelsea if it wasn't for their leaky defence. Fifty five goals this season, um, and you know, going forward they had uh, plenty of goals in uh, Aubameyang, uh, Lacazette, uh, but unfortunately at the other end of the field where. Um, yeah, there's that cliche that defence wins your trophies. They were uh, extremely, uh, extremely disappointing. And I guess that's got to be the caveat for him, surely, that he had to work with what he inherited. And now the challenge will be building on from here what he can do in the in the recruitment. And we actually see what his actual philosophy is for Arsenal, or whether it's because it's part of the commentary at the moment, I guess, is it's hard to really define what they are. But maybe that's just because he's dealing with what he's got. They lost some key defenders to injury. Uh, earlier in the season um, which might have made them a bit bit more solid back there but again I mean their, their recent form especially their away form uh, Sunday accepted has been pretty bad yeah. I mean uh, the, the Leicester away game sticks in my mind where okay they had a player sent off but they're just playing this ridiculous high line and everyone knows that Jamie Vardy just would love that and he did I mean he scored he scored a couple I think and so for me, I don't know whether Arsenal... I mean, they, they wanted so long, or a, a large group of their supporters wanted to see change. They wanted Arsene Wenger to go. Um, but as with United, who I think we'll, we'll probably come on to next, there are, there are bigger problems at a structural level there that go beyond what the coach can do with, with the players. Great. Uh, I'd give them a C plus. Yeah, C plus. I agree. Sorry to be so agreeable. <laughs> Unanimous. But I agree. Because we're warming you up for what's coming next, Mel. We've spoken, a, we ha- and we have spoken about United at length. So let's just sum fail, it up Dave. with. Fail. Fit. D. Whatever the fail one is. E. Oh, is F, what did you say? A, B, C. Do we get F? We can go down to F. All right. Yes. Shows what a yes. great student Mel was. She doesn't even know what grade <laughs> fail was. Just playing A stars all the way oh, through. Yeah. <laughs> Biggest thing your club needs to do this summer, what is it? Well, they've, they've started the clean-out, haven't they? So players need to go out. Well, they're trying to evolve the mentality. They're trying to bring it back. To, nostalgia's a, a big thing in, in, in general in life, I guess, and people want a bit of that, as you've discussed. Is there a risk of there being too much of that? Possibly. But there are, this coaching staff, it'll be interesting to see what they come up with and who they have. Um, at, at, obviously, they can mould things now, so now's the time to see what they can do. Solskjaer was very honest. So I, I did rate his comments. So it's a re- the biggest positive is that mm. it's over. Let's start again. Yeah, that, that was the first time he really actually changed from the 
from the We Are Man United, we win trophies yeah. to ah, we're a long way away yeah. from anything. Well, if we're feeling the pressure and there was a bit of fire in that comment, which is which is a good thing, can only be a good thing. Well, we're going to bring this home just by talking about some of the other clubs that don't get as much airtime, and in the same breath, we'll, we'll, we'll pick out some of the players that uh, have taken our attention there as well. We've spoken a little bit about Wolves and the way that they are knocking on the door. They're the best promoted side since Ipswich at the turn of the century, which is testament to, we talk about having a plan. You can criticise the, the Portuguese influence, but it's worked for them. Um, are they the most likely team to knock in? You might have, a, you might have another answer, Dave, in that no, mix I, as well. I think so. I think it's fairly sort of commonly held view that, that they're, they're a club who can challenge next season if they keep hold of their manager and they keep hold of a few of those, those, those players. Um, like Jimenez, Jota, um, Neves, like great players who could probably walk into to sides uh, in the in that top six. Um, it doesn't seem like they're a club that need to sell, so I suppose it comes down to the individual ambition of, of someone like like the coach. Say if Pochettino did leave Spurs, then maybe he would be someone that they would look at. Yeah, good shout. Um, and are they the most likely you reckon to crack in, or someone like Leicester, Everton? perhaps might be knocking on the door? Leicester as well have got um, some some top players in there. Um, and Brendan Rodgers uh, is a player, is a manager who has charisma and will be able to probably get the respect of the players in that dressing room who have seen off three or four managers now in fairly quick succession. Um, they're a squad of players who seem willing to sort of down tools and to kind of speak against the manager in the media um, but Rogers is someone who's got you know the star quality and he's got a lovely set of shiny white teeth so um, imagine him him and Firmino in the same sideline you'd, you'd, you'd have your sunglasses on on the and other Klopp. side <laughs> anyone else catch your attention Mel well I think a few months ago we spoke and I thought Wolves but I, I see Leicester going on and, and doing something interesting which we've seen in the past again I'm not going to say anything groundbreaking under Brendan Rodgers, we know player power has been a thing. They weren't happy, and we, we see they just did not play, and, and the noises grew louder. You know, Casper um, Schmeichel got daddy involved <laughs> with his, with his messages, like read through the, between the lines. He was saying, you know, get him out as well. And it's, it's worked, and it's worked so far. Uh, you, you say he's a good man, man manager. He's, he's quite popular, isn't he? And he's got his recruitment manager, I think, come in from... From um, Scotland as well, from where he just was. Celtic. Yeah, from Celtic, yeah, where he just was. So, yeah, he's looking to build right now, and um, I wouldn't be surprised if they did some more damage next year. Yeah, season. they're a very, very interesting team, and they actually played some really good football since, yeah, he's, he's changed since it he came too. on board. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, they, he's basically woken them up since Claude Puel yeah. left. What about you, Paolo? Anything catch your attention? Look, I don't think uh, um, outside of the top six, um, there is a team that, that I genuinely believe could, can break in there, I think. Um, you know, it's clear Liverpool and Man City uh, were the standouts, and I, and I think even next season will be the two that everyone will be will be chasing. Um, but I just think that the 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 next four Chelsea, Tottenham, Arsenal, Man United, uh, they will all, uh, if they want to um, at least challenge, they're going to have to to go out and uh, and recruit and and be better. Um, and, 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 and those clubs have the, the financial capacity. I know it's not all about money. Uh, we, we, we saw that this year with Pochettino, but I just think that they already have enough quality as it is. So for the teams like Wolves, like Everton, like Leicester, like uh, a West Ham, for them to seriously compete, I believe that they have to, they have to go out and spend. So it's that uh, decision, um, risk against reward, do you go out and spend it, and, and what happens if you if you're unsuccessful? Uh, but yeah, I, I think uh, 
those clubs can be certainly proud of, 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 uh, of you know, where they sit uh, and where they ended up uh, you know, in the competition, Wolves, Everton and, and, and Leicester. Yeah, there were some actually decent achievements. West Ham lost their first four games. We all probably thought, what the hell is going to happen here under Pellegrini? And they rebounded quite nicely. Watford Mel spent more time in the top four this year than Manchester United did and they have an FA Cup final appearance to take home with them as well so they're a very interesting prospect too and I think it would be remiss not to mention Newcastle United who once again under Rafa Benitez probably went against the tide and and really dug in and and had a really terrific season for what they're fighting with too Uh, that'll be a really interesting summer European summer subplot to see whether he remains there and whether he thinks he can extract anything more out of that club um Quickly running through some of the players that might make a team of the season from outside the top six. Um, shout out with your nominations. But in goal, I, it's probably a, a stroke between maybe Lucas Fabianski and Ben, Ross, ben Foster. Who did you have, Dave? Uh, I thought Kasper Schmeichel. He's a, always a solid performer. He's pretty good. Back four, guys. In, we don't have to pick a team per se in any formation. I'm just throwing out a few names of players that, that did impress and might be on the radar for, for the next season. Aaron Wan-Bissaka, for me, is the standout in the back line. That's the one I'd written down. But person. he will be in high demand, <laughs> Dave Woyne. Who else have you got? So I thought Willie Bolly at Wolves was great. Uh, Harry Maguire is one of the England players who came back from the World Cups, had a good season. Uh, Marcus Alonso at left back. I've done a whole formation. Like, I've done all my homework. Oh, dear. What formation? Come on. He's even uh, looking I, at ours yeah. too, going, they haven't done the right thing. Well, <laughs> oh, no. Paolo has. <laughs> Go on, so, spit it out, guys. Yeah, I've gone four-three-three with Schmeichel, Juan Bissaka, uh, Juan Bissako, Bissaka, Jesus, Marcus Alonso, Harry Maguire, Willy Bolly. Then in midfield, Ruben Neves, Decore, and Deli Ali, and up front, Zahar, Aubameyang, and Hazard. This sounds bizarre because he was the golden boot, but I think Aubameyang's almost been under, <laughs> gone under the radar a yes. little bit compared to Salah. And, uh, Until and, the, and the Champions others. League. Yeah. I, I think other people sort of stood up and went, oh, hang on a minute. He's and a freak. Fans known yeah, he's been amazing. His numbers are amazing. Um, big fan of Wilfred Zaha. Philippe Anderson from uh, West Ham was, was pretty good too. Ryan Fraser from Bournemouth. And Jose Perez and Solomon Rondon from uh, Newcastle as well. Who, uh, but they probably don't knock off. Uh, who have you got? Yeah, look, my front four... Um, just average players. Harry Kane up top, <laughs> 17 goals. Obama Yang, joint top scorer. Hazard, obviously, Hazard's Hazard. And I went for Song Hoon Ming, I think. Uh, in Kane's absence, he, uh, he stood up and, and, and delivered and scored some, uh, you know, really, really important goals uh, for, uh, for Tottenham. Yeah, he's been phenomenal for them and was really the glue when, when, when Kane got injured and everyone doubted whether or not they could kick on. Well, guys, it's a marathon episode. Can we hear the rest of Paolo's team? I want to know if it will beat mine. I'm already worried. Jorginho at number six because I love I love Sadi Ball and without a Jorginho type number six, you can't play it. I had Ericsson in midfield and I had Aaron Ramsey, who I thought uh, for the amount of games he played, uh, he had one of his best seasons at, at Arsenal and 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 was uh, um, had become a, a really important player for them and. Um, really sad to see him leave English football, but um, a great opportunity for him at Juventus. And then back four was Trippier, the Tottenham Tottenham Mafia, Trippier, Alderweireld, Vertonghen, and Chilwell at uh, at left fullback. Watch this space for Chilwell. And I had Matty Ryan in goals. Oh, nice. Yes, Matty Ryan in goals. He made some important saves to keep Brighton in the champ- in uh, EPL. He re- no, he really did. He was a fan favourite there, and he was yeah, particularly back into the season. Matty, if you're listening, I had you in goals, brother. <laughs> Oh, he's a big fan of the show. Guys, 
We're going to wrap it up, but I'm not going to let you go before putting you on the line for something for next season. Anyone got a fearless prediction to put it all on the line right now, months ahead of schedule? What are we going to be talking about this time next year? Manchester United's relegation. <laughs> like 1974. Yeah, cool. Um, <laughs> Pochettino, not there. Not at Spurs. Bigger and better things. Don't know about that. Jeez, that's a big one. Pochettino, not at Spurs. So that's you're saying Spurs are going to win the Champions League then? Yeah. I, actually, I don't know. I just, well, I think stranger things have happened. Anything from you, Paolo, to wrap us up? Wise words to end the season? Uh, halfway through, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, no longer Man United boss. Yeah, I think that, uh, that might be one if there's a market. I think maybe put a few sneaky quiet ones on it just there. Well, that's it, guys. That brings us to the end of a bumper episode, and a bumper season deserves no less. It's been an absolute thriller minute in the Premier League, and it's been a great joy. Band. I'll talk about it with you guys every single week. Mel and Dave, you were there from day one of the Gagenpot, so thanks very much for your support and being a part of it. Thanks, Dave, and well done to you. Thank you very much. And Paolo, it's been great having your insights throughout the season as well. Pleasure. Brilliant stuff. And, of course, the podcast and the football don't stop just because the Premier League has on off the sport. Of course, the Europa League and Champions League final coming up and the Women's World Cup. We cannot wait. We'll have podcasts for you on this feed on all those topics in great detail too. Mel, you'll be involved with the Women's World Cup ones as well, which we can't wait to listen to. So, as always, until the next Gagan Pod, everyone out there, enjoy your football. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.